Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us. I'm Father Chris Alar here at the National Shrine of the Divine Mercy. It's an honor to have you with us as we continue our mini-series here on explaining the faith as we're going back to seminary and bringing you the notes and the training that I received in the greatest time of my life. And we're excited because, as you saw on your screen, there are three things that for centuries have been the biggest black eyes of the Catholic Church, and all three completely misunderstood. The Crusades, and we already did a talk on that. You can find it on our YouTube channel. The Crusades, a big black eye. Not understood, a lot of false understandings. Second is the Inquisition. I already did a talk on that a few weeks ago. Again, you can find it on our YouTube channel. And way lots of misunderstandings, falsities about the Inquisition. Totally not what you learned and heard. And the third big black eye, Galileo. And that's going to be the topic of today's talk. So let us begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we implore you to grace us and bless us with the presence of the Holy Spirit to help us discern using faith and reason the reason through science and other gifts that you give us to know your will in our lives and to follow it. And Mother Mary, we ask that you protect us and we offer all this to Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay. Now, many have embraced, especially non-Catholics, even Catholics, this myth of Galileo this 17th century Italian astronomer, he lived in the 1600s or the 17th century, who discovered heliocentricity. I'll explain what that means in a minute. And of the solar system and was basically thrown into jail, tortured, forced to recant because it conflicted with Catholic church teaching. This is complete fabrication. If you go to the primary sources himself, you'll learn what really happened. And that's what we're here for today. Now, Galileo was not tortured. He was not even thrown into prison. He died happily at home. But yet we Catholics, whenever we hear this, we don't know what to say. Well, today we're going to do a shorter talk than normal and help you. Now, let's go to our next slide. Here's Galileo. In fact, um, and this is him, uh, you can see his time, and he lived in the 17th century. Now, in fact, though, it wasn't even his idea. Now, okay, the, the, the whole point is that the church believed that the earth was the center of the universe, and everything, including the sun, revolved around the earth. That's the geocentric uh, view. All right, now, the helio. This is different now. And um, this view is more uh, about the understanding and it's called heliocentricity that the sun is the center of the solar system and the earth revolves around it. Now it ended up being correct, but he was not totally correct. The earth was not the center. Yes, he was right on that, but neither is the sun the center of the universe. It's not. And in fact, the solar system revolves around our galaxy, the Milky Way galaxy, right? So this is important. Now, we're going to show you here that actually this wasn't even his idea. It came, guess where the original idea came? Now it kind of goes back to the Greeks and the Romans, but it was Copernicus, a Catholic priest who actually was embraced by the church and was never persecuted earlier for having this very same theory. So if the church persecuted anybody who wanted to follow science, they should have persecuted Copernicus, but they didn't. Copernicus had the same view. There's a difference why Galileo got himself into trouble. And we're going to talk about that. All right. So this whole mess of this Galileo affair is not showing the church is against science. Okay. So oh, Copernicus, let's show the, the uh, slide. This is Copernicus. He was the Catholic priest you can see on your screen. Now, this whole mess was not showing Catholic Church is against science. It's not it at all. In fact, 
Name more than one scientist. This is Chris Sparks. Chris Sparks, one of our writers, wrote in his book, name more than one scientist in history who was ever arrested or convicted by the Catholic Church because of their scientifically sound, sound conclusions. Remember, Galileo science was not sound entirely. Had a lot of flaws. And that's what the church took issue with. All right. Some may use that example of, in the 16th century, this Dominican, uh, Giordano Bruno, but he was put to death not for his scientific views. He's put to death for other views. Now, the church has always embraced science and Catholics contributing to science. Let's look at our next slide. You've overheard of the name Roger Bacon. We learned about him in philosophy in public schools teacher about Robert Bacon. You've probably heard the name Roger Bacon. I think I said Robert, Roger Bacon. Do you know though what you won't hear in the public schools? He was a Catholic priest, supported fully by the Catholic Church. He was a Franciscan friar, and he is the first proponent of experimental science, doing experiments. He's the first one, Catholic priest. Copernicus, we just mentioned, a Catholic priest who held his views before Galileo. What about Blaise Pascal? If you're into... Uh, uh, calculus and whatnot, you know his name. All right, what about Gregor Mendel? He was a Catholic priest, and get this, the father of genetics. The father of genetics, a Catholic priest. And what about Georges Lemaitre? He was Catholic priest who founded the Big Bang Theory. Now, there's questions even about that today, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Now, what about all these Catholic universities, Catholic healthcare systems? These are all science-based. What about um, the Catholic, and this is interesting, the Pontifical Academy of the Sciences? The church embraces science, doesn't conflict with religion. Oh, Father, that Vatican Observatory? Oh, they named their telescope Lucifer. I get this all the time comments on this very channel explain that father explain why the vatican named their telescope lucifer it's satanic the church is satanic you know the truth the vatican first of all doesn't even own that telescope they share the same observatory with several different institutions at the university of arizona look it up the University of Arizona has these large uh, telescopes and, and scientific equipment for, for astronomy and study of the stars. The one that they has an acronym, L-U-C-I, stands for something totally different about the telescope, was nicknamed by a completely different institution, Lucifer. That was their nickname. It just so happens that the Vatican shares some space in that same technology park. Can you believe that's how that rumor got started? That the Vatican named their telescope Lucifer. False, false, false. This is what we hear. This is what we're taught. And this is what we don't know how to defend. So this is the purpose of this talk. All right, let's keep going. The church believes technology, though, has moral implications. And the use of the knowledge gained that we gained has to be considered in the light of the dignity of the human person. Let me give an example. What about human cloning? Does anybody think here that there's no issues with human cloning? Of course there are. That's the church's role. Human cloning is a real moral issue. So is artificial intelligence, where we can create something artificial that only the human brain can do. That's a moral issue. The church is supposed to be involved in science, not to define science or declare what is scientifically correct, but its implication on our moral life. That is what happened with Galileo. He tried to claim that this Prove scripture was wrong. 
Now, the church's job, even though he may or may not be right, is when somebody comes out and says scripture is wrong, the church has to come and say, wait a minute here, let's look at this. And that's all it did with Galileo, as we'll talk about. Now, in other words, the church does care about the consequences of scientific progress, not that they're against science. You know, Chris Sparks again said Catholicism is fundamentally open to science, but it must be critical of how it's used. If we use science to wipe out all of mankind with a nuclear bomb, is anybody going to dispute that the church shouldn't say something? If all of a sudden in a few minutes, China, Russia, and the United States get in a war and they nuclear war each other out of oblivion, is anybody going to say, gee, the churches shouldn't be involved in science? No, not the science in making atoms and uh, configuring atoms, but the science of the implication. All right, so the problem with Galileo is that his science, as I just said, appeared to contradict scripture. So the church was cautious. Now, right after the Reformation in 1517, this is when Galileo lived the next hundred years, the church was skeptical of miracles and began to demand medical and scientific evidence. So the church, even before Galileo embraced science, people don't get this. They even recruited scientists. Now, some of the fathers of science, Catholic, uh, great tradition the church has of learned priests that were scientists and men of faith, like Roger Bacon, we just said. Let's take our another slide. I mentioned Lamatra. He was a Belgian priest, a physicist, and mathematician, and he was the one that gave us the Big Bang Theory, the birth of the universe. That's his picture, standing there with who? Einstein. Einstein. Now, the accepted idea in physics at the time was that the universe was changeless. It was in a steady state. All right. Now, Einstein said that the universe was actually moving. So if this is the universe, Einstein, and the belief that before Einstein was it was set, it was steady, it was, it was just set. And Einstein came and said, no, the universe is moving. It's expanding or it's shrinking, but it's moving. Now, here's the thing. Lamatra came in and he concluded that the universe was expanding. And he proposed that from this, listen to this, it could be concluded that all matter and energy were consecrated, at, concentrated, I should say, consecrated too, concentrated at one point. Hence, the universe had a beginning and something created it. Now we're finding through the large telescopes that maybe even the Big Bang theory isn't correct because the going back and seeing the light from these galaxies billions of light years away, if the Big Bang was correct, they would be hot, they would be molten, but they're not. They're already defined, which means God could have just went and created something out of nothing. He didn't even need a Big Bang. This is incredible. So what all happened? All right, so Einstein stood up and he said, this is the most beautiful and satisfactory explanation of creation I have ever heard. This is a Catholic priest. The church embraces science. So in 1936, Pope Pius XI inducted Lamatra into the Pontifical Academy of Science. You know, earlier work of Galileo garnered him high praise from the popes. Paul V, Gregory XV, Urban VIII. Come on. The church didn't throw him in a dudgeon and torture him. But this is what you will be told. Why? Well, there were a lot of other notable science, scientists of the church. Let's look at them. St. Bede. You know who he was? He became Pope Sylvester II. He was a pope and a scientist. I bet you didn't know that. Sylvester II was a pope and a scientist, promoted mathematics and astronomy in church schools. All right, what about Hermanus Contractus? He was a monk 
and he fostered geometry and mathematics. What about Pope John the 21st? He was a pontiff, a, a pope, and an author of a lot of work on medicine. What about St. Albertus Magnus? He's one of the greatest theologians in the history of the church, and he's the patron saint of scientists. Thomas, this is a good one, Bradwardine, he was an English archbishop and advanced the principles of mechanics. Nicole Orisme, uh, he was a French philosopher, bishop of Lisieux, where St. Um, Therese was. He was a mathematician, and his work helped inspire Leonardo, Leonardo da Vinci. You get the point. All right, let's move on. Now, what happened to Galileo? Let's look at our next slide. All right. Many believe that the church persecuted Galileo. This is what you're going to be told. Because he abandoned the geocentric view, that's the one on your left, that the earth is the center of the universe. And he abandoned that for the view of the solar system being a heliocentric, meaning the sun is at the center, as you see on the right side. Now, for many anti-Catholics, this Galileo call, uh, case proves that the Catholic Church abhors science. They want to keep you in the dark. They don't want you educated. They want you to be a follower. They want you to be a sheep so that they can control you. False, false, false. The church embraces faith and reason. <clears throat> Inspired scientists. Supported scientists. Now, People will say this shows the church refuses to abandon outdated teachings, and it's not infallible. The Pope is not infallible. All right, here's the thing. The church is not anti-scientific. As I said, it supported a lot of science over the centuries. In fact, the Jesuits had a whole group of scientists right in Rome at this time. Fascinating. Many noble scientists, notable scientists, received funding from the church. Many scientific advances were made through church support. Copernicus, in fact, dedicated his work on the revolution of the celestial orbs to Pope Paul III. Now, here's what's interesting. You know who did condemn Copernicus and Galileo big time? Martin Luther. But we don't hear about that. Martin Luther condemned him. Let's take a look at the next slide. This is Johannes Kepler. Ten years before Galileo, he published a heliocentric work that expanded on Copernicus. Wait, see, this is even before Galileo. And Kepler was attacked by Protestants, not the Catholic Church, for his heliocentric view. And he found welcome reception amongst the Catholic Church and the Jesuits. The problem with Galileo was not his science views. It was what he did after. His disobedience and his refusal to teach it as a theory. But he taught it as scientific fact. They had no scientific fact that it was true. It ended up being true. But the church said, listen, Galileo, just like Kepler, just like Copernicus... Don't teach this as scientific fact. It appears to contradict scripture. Please teach it. Teach it all you want, but say that it is right now a hypothesis, a theory. Do not teach it as scientific fact. This appears to contradict scripture. Now, it may be right, but we have to get the facts first. And Galileo refused. That was the issue with Galileo. Not that he had a scientific theory. So did Copernicus and so did Kepler. But they taught it as a theory until it could be proven. Galileo did not. And the church handled it exactly how she would have or should have. For the most part, there were some mistakes, but we'll talk about that. All right, so what happened? All right, we're going to talk about the torture and all this. Now, anti-Catholics... Okay, um, so anyway, Kepler uh, was found in opposition among the Protestants. 
And, um, and then we go to now the other anti-Catholics who cite Galileo as an example that the church refused to abandon this incorrect teaching. Now let's look at our next slide. This is the trial of Galileo. Wow, Father, you mean the Galileo went to trial? All right. People fail to realize that the judges who presided over Galileo's case were not the only people who held geocentric views of the universe. They weren't. It was common amongst most all scientists. So it wasn't just the church who held the geocentric view that the earth is the center. Most scientists still did. So this is interesting. Copernicus, the one right before him, before Galileo, refrained from publishing his heliocentric theory, meaning the sun is the center and the earth revolves around that, out of fear not from the church, but fear of his colleagues, the scientists that would say, you were wrong. This is what people don't realize. Galileo could have safely proposed heliocentrism that the sun is the center of the solar system and the earth revolves around it as a theory or a method to explain the planet's movements. His problem, he stopped proposing it as a theory and proclaimed it as truth. There was no conclusive truth at the time. That's all the church was saying. Even so, Galileo would not have been in so much trouble if he had chosen to stay within the realm of science and not got into theology. He came out and said, the Bible is wrong. Copernicus didn't do that. Uh, Kepler didn't do that. That's why the church had no problem with him. Galileo kept coming out and saying, the Bible is wrong. So in 1614, Galileo argued that it was not contrary to scripture uh, or that it was, that scripture was wrong in a way that it was not contrary because people were misunderstanding scripture. That's kind of interesting. Psalms 93, Psalm 104, Ecclesiastes 1, verse 5, they speak of celestial motion and terrestrial stability. Now, literally reading the Bible as a fundamentalist, you would have to abandon the heliocentric theory. And that's all the church was saying. If what you're saying is true, we got to abandon scripture. But that's not how you read scripture. We don't read scripture as literally true. So Father, if you're, if you're, if you're with me here, here's what's going through your mind. Well, Father, if this science ended up being true, that the earth is not the center, and the sun doesn't revolve around the earth, and scripture is wrong. Well, that's what Galileo was saying. So, Father, now I'm confused. No. Scripture is read in what we call phenomenological language. That is the language of appearances. Let me give you an example. In the Bible, it says the sun will rise and set. As far as the east is from the west... The sun will rise and set. Does the sun rise and set? No. The sun doesn't rise and set. The earth rotates and it makes it appear that the sun rises and sets. It looks like the sun comes up. We on earth are set and the sun goes down. It doesn't. The sun was set, fixed. The earth rotated. So it makes it appear that the sun rises and sets. That's not against the Bible. The Bible says the sun rises and sets. It uses phenomenological language. People don't get this. Rather than the earth turning, the sun was lot as set. So the ancients talked about this. From our perspective, the sun appears to rise and set. The earth appears to be fixed. But it's not. That doesn't mean the Bible's wrong. The Bible's language uses our appearances. Phenomenological. That's why John Paul was a phenomenologist. All right, let's keep going. Next, next slide. So Galileo went to Rome to see Pope Paul V, who turned the matter over to the holy office that was under him. And yes, they did condemn Galileo's theory 
1616. So here's what's interesting. He then said, it's time for a showdown. All right. Galileo, at his request, Cardinal Robert Bellarmine issued a certificate that yes, it forbade Galileo to hold and defend heliocentricity, that it was fact, it did not prevent him from hypothesizing it. He could have went and taught it all he wanted if he just would have said, listen, this is a theory. We haven't proven it yet, but we're working on it. All right. Now, Urban VIII even gave him permission to write a work on heliocentrism. The church embraced it, but cautioned him not to advocate this new position totally as fact because it wasn't proven. All right, just give the arguments for and against it. When Galileo heard this, he disobeyed. He wrote a work called Dialogue on the Two World Systems, and he took the Pope's words and he put them into a dumb character named Simplicio, which means simplistic, and he mocked the Pope. This was the problem. Galileo alienated the Jesuits and the church. He attacked them. He attacked them, but you don't learn this in school. All you learn in public school is how the church attacked Galileo. Ironically, it was the opposite. It was the opposite. Now, did the church not make mistakes? Of course they did. We'll talk about that. So Galileo did this. The result? was an infamous trial where people said the church wants nothing to do with science. False. So let's watch a less than a one-minute video. This is a really quick video of one of my favorite priests. People write me all the time, Father, who are the best priests to listen to? Father Mark Goring, Father Mitch Pacwa, and this is one of the best, Father Spitzer. Uh, he's on EWTN regularly. And here's a short clip of only a minute where he addresses Galileo. Let's watch it. Marianne, the question wasn't about the heliocentric solar system. The church had already accepted the possibility of that. We were just waiting for observational evidence. By the way, that observational evidence didn't come until 1832 when the German uh, astronomer Friedrich Bessel actually performed the first accurate stellar parallax proving the, the heliocentric solar system. But that's all the church asked Galileo to do. It wasn't against the, the heliocentric solar system. Them. It wanted the proof, just like any peer-reviewed uh, scientific journal would want the proof if somebody's going to right. make the statement. This is a fact. Right. You have to back the fact up with the observational evidence. And Galileo didn't do it. And that's all the church uh, got um, uh, mad about because, uh, of course, he didn't have the evidence. And like I said, scientific journals today would be equally mad if somebody proclaimed something to be right. a fact without the evidence. So that video was Father Spitzer. Um, it was one of my favorites. He actually endorsed my book and Brother Jason's book on uh, the concept of God being outside of time. It was a book about suicide and how you can still pray for your loved ones. And I called him one day and, and he gave me like an hour and a half out of his time. What a, what a beautiful priest. But if you heard what he said there, he said the problem for the church wasn't that that Copernicus and, and Kepler and any of those guys presented the same theory as, as, as Galileo. The difference was how Galileo handled it. As I keep saying, he taught it as fact and it wasn't. The church simply said, give us proof. He didn't. So the church is like, hold on. And they condemned his actions, not his science, but what his teaching decided to present it as truth when he didn't have the evidence yet. All right, now let's talk about the torture. Oh yeah, he was thrown in chains and his fingernails were plucked out. I even got a letter from people that they put ants in his ears to crawl into his brain so that they, his brain would no longer be able to function scientifically. Are, are you kidding me? None of this is true. None of it. And so what is true? Okay, Galileo made his first appearance before the Inquisition. Now remember, Inquisition is just trying to get the facts. In 1615, and he was not imprisoned, and he was not tortured. This was the first time. 
He received a mild censor and was sent on his way. Oh, how horrible Catholic Church. So he was told. He kept doing it, doing it, doing it. Not till 1633, 18 years later, he had to be summoned to Rome again for doing the same thing to face charges that he had persisted in promoting his theories as though they were matters of faith and provable by the Bible. During his second stint before the Inquisition, Galileo now was incarcerated after 18 years of running amok. All right, finally he was incarcerated, not as you may think or told in some gloomy, rat-infested dungeon but in a palace. He was placed in a palace, a palace of Nicolini, the Tuscan ambassador to the Vatican, who was a friend of Galileo. But you've never learned this. He lived in a palace. And Nicolini said the sentence was just. And this was his good friend. Check a load of this. Had there been any treachery, or torture, Nicolini, one of his biggest fans, Galileo's big fan, would have certainly said so. He said nothing of the sort happened. In fact, get a load of what he said. He says he has a servant. Galileo had a servant. He used to bring him his meals. He sent regular reports to Rome saying he was given every comfort. And as I said, even a servant. Boy, this is real torture. In the end, Galileo did recant his heliocentric teachings, but it was not as commonly thought under torture nor even harsh imprisonment. He was treated very well. Yes, it was house arrest, but that kind of be like putting you in the White House and saying, you know, you're under arrest. A story, and check the facts too. Read the actual writings, primary sources of Nicolini, or even Giorgio de Santillana. He said it was not, and he was basically not a fan of the Catholic Church, but he said, quote, we must, if anything, admire the cautiousness and the legal scruples of the Roman Catholic authorities. Galileo was offered every convenience possible to make his imprisonment in his home bearable. Quite different from what you hear. Yeah, it's true. This is true. We'll admit it. Got to hit the facts. I'm going to give you all the facts. It is true that there was a decree by Pope Urban VIII that said torture could be used if necessary. There it is true. But no torture was ever carried out. All primary sources confirm this, and everybody agrees to this. The records demonstrate that Galileo could not have been tortured because there was already a regulation in the church called the Directory for Inquisitors in 1595, before Galileo, that forbid it. And in fact, noted scientist Alfred North Whitehead said, in an age that saw a large number of witches subjected to torture and execution by Protestants in New England, quote, the worst that happened to the men of science was that Galileo suffered an honorable detention and mild reproof. That's it. So feel free, everybody, to come forward. We got space of every. I was just teasing the crowd here. Everybody's a good Catholic. They're all crammed in the very back. So feel free to come forward. All right, let's finish with just a couple more subjects. First of all, non-Catholics will tell us this proves the Pope is not infallible because he was wrong about Galileo. All right, let's talk about this. Anti-Catholics will say that convicting Galileo disproves the doctrine that the Pope is infallible. Couldn't be the Pope can be failed because he was wrong about Galileo. Well, interesting. This is not the case because the Pope never made an infallible ruling about Galileo. The church never said this is infallibly 
taught that the earth is the center of the universe. We said it appears to be what scripture teaches. The Pope never said that's infallible. The church never claims that their ordinary tribunal, such as the one that judged Galileo, was infallible. Church never said that. Let's look at our next slide. There are three conditions that must be met for a pope to be infallible. One, he must speak in his official capacity as a successor of Peter. Two, he must speak on a matter of faith or morals. It doesn't say science. It doesn't say science. The Pope is not infallible regarding science. Our church teaches this. So don't let anybody tell you that Galileo proves the Pope is in, not infallible. And three, he must define the doctrine as one that must be held by everybody. The Pope never said that everybody must believe the earth is the center of the universe. Never. So in Galileo's case, these conditions were not present. So we're not saying that this proves the Pope is infallible. Catholic theology has never claimed that a tribunal decree, like we had with uh, Galileo, is infallible. No. The strongest claim that can be made here is that the Church of Galileo's day issued a non-infallible disciplinary ruling disciplining Galileo. Had nothing to do with infallible teaching. This was a scientist who was advocating a new and unproven theory demanding that the church change its understanding of scripture to fit his. And the church said, uh-uh, no can do. It's good that the church did not rush to embrace Galileo. You'll never hear this in a public school. Never, ever, ever but this is what I learned in seminary and I'm teaching to you. It is good that the church did not embrace Galileo's views right away. You know why? Because a lot of it was wrong. He said the sun was the center of the universe. Yes, he was correct that the earth revolved around the sun, but he said the sun was the center of the universe. That's incorrect. We know that now. Galileo was wrong on that part. He was right that the earth revolved around the sun, but he was wrong that the sun is not the center of, or that the sun is the center of the universe. All right? It turned out that his ideas, as I said, were not entirely correct. He believed that the sun was not just the fixed center of the solar system, but the center of the universe. We now know that the sun is not the center of the universe and that it does move. Our solar system actually orbits the center of our galaxy. What galaxy are we in? The Milky Way. Our solar system is just part of that. And our solar system, so here's, here's what's interesting, everybody. You have the sun. And our solar system with our planets, our planets revolve around our sun. That's our solar system. But get what, everybody? Guess what? That whole solar system revolves around our Milky Way galaxy. He was wrong. He was right on the part that the earth revolves around the sun, but he was wrong that the sun is the center of the universe. So the church was good not to embrace everything he said, because then the church would have definitely been wrong. See, you don't hear that. You don't learn that. So it's good. Gallo believed in all of this, all right? He believed that our solar system, and, and I just explained that, so... Had the church rushed to endorse this, and there were many in the church who did favor Galileo, the church would have embraced what modern science has rejected. Now, if that was the case, you'd have anti-Catholics saying, look how stupid the church was, gullible. They jumped and they fell for this false teaching. So you can't win. All you got to do is know the truth. All right, so Patrick Madrid... I'm getting close to finishing here, did a good study on the papacy in Galileo. Now, what he said was the Catholic Church has never defined any theory of physical science as a matter of faith. The Pope is only infallible regarding faith and morals, not science. There never was any dogma saying that the Catholic Church believes that the earth is the center of the universe. So here it is, everybody. 
In public school, I learned, thank goodness for Galileo, he disproved Catholic Church dogma that the earth is the center of the universe. The Catholic Church has never taught that is dogma. This is false. The next time people claim that Galileo bravely challenged church dogma and showed us as stupid, false, false. It was Galileo's perceived attack on theology, which was a unique authority of the church that drew the church's concern. All right, last half a page. The church finally acted after years. So we see that it wasn't Galileo's heliocentric theory which moved the church to censor him. Not at all. The Catholic Church doesn't try to evade the fact that the tribunal of the church condemning Galileo was right. The church, we're not going to say that. Condemning Galileo and his theory fully was wrong because he was partially correct. But the error doesn't compromise the integrity of the church or violate our doctrine of infallibility. Not at all. Was the church wrong to ban Galileo's writings fully? Yeah. But not entirely. So I guess I should say, instead of saying yeah, I should say partially. In some sense, could be made, the case could be made that the church was correct. Although the bishops who condemned his theories were wrong with respect to the earth revolving around the sun, they were certainly not in error for trying to protect the faith, trying to protect the faithful from what appeared to contradict scripture. The church was trying to protect the Bible. And guess what, everybody? So was Martin Luther and John Calvin. They condemned Galileo too, but you never hear this. Galileo may have been right with his basic scientific theory, but he got all the reasons for it all wrong. So again, the church knew what she was doing. Galileo made the mistake of going outside the realm of science and invaded the field of theology. So Patrick Madrid says, I think that's accurate. It is the church's job to protect from these things, even science, if it's yet unproven. Hmm. So was the Galileo case an embarrassment to the church? Yeah. Was the situation rectified later? Yes. And the Galileo story remains one of the biggest three, eye, three black eyes of the Catholic Church. If you missed the beginning of this talk, one, the Crusades, we already did a talk on that, totally misunderstood. Two, the Inquisition, we already did a talk on that, can find it here on YouTube, totally misunderstood. And now Galileo, completely a black eye, completely misunderstood. But the church owned up to it. In 1825, an official document by Dom Oliveri, he was the general of the Dominican order and the commissary of the Holy Office apologized for fully condemning Galileo's work, but understood correctly in its historical context, it proves nothing except perhaps that the Catholic Church is very serious in her efforts to safeguard the flock from serious error. How do you condemn the church for trying to protect the Bible? Well, they should never have tortured him, Father. The church didn't torture Galileo. Well, the church shouldn't have put him in a dungeon with rats and, and infestants. The church didn't put him in a dungeon. He lived in a palace under house arrest. So our final slide. In 1989, John Paul II, and I got this letter, Father, Explain to me, Galileo, why John Paul II apologized. That admits the church was wrong and didn't know what she was doing and is not infallible. All right? So let's look at this. John Paul II apologized for the church's handling of the case. 
That's what he apologizes. Showing the purpose of the church's theology, not science. He never apologized that we tortured Galileo and were sorry because we didn't. He never apologized for throwing Galileo in a dungeon because we didn't. He apologized that the handled case was not correctly done. But in my opinion, they let him go for 18 years, telling him not to teach it as fact because he didn't have the facts, teach it as a theory he disobeyed. He said that the Pope at the time was not acting in his capacity of a teacher, but a prudent guardian. So really, the word apology is kind of relative here. So to understand history, all right, throw away the modern lens. This is Christopher Clark. He did a good article. Copernicus was encouraged by priests of the church to publish his work of heliocentricity. And that book was dedicated to Pope Paul III, and he embraced it. Luther and Calvin, they were in fits. Luther called Copernicus a fool. A fool. All right, the church, as Cardinal Bellarmine explained to Galileo in 1616, needed to deliberate in interpreting scriptural passages that seemed to contradict the discoveries of modern astronomy. The church was just trying to protect the Bible and science. So finally, Cardinal John Henry Newman said, Galileo might be right in his conclusion that the earth moves around the sun and to consider him a heretic might have been wrong. But there was nothing wrong in censoring unverified claims of Galileo at a time when the limits of revealed truth had not as yet been ascertained. Hmm. A man ought to be sure of what he is saying and can prove it before he risks contradicting the word of God. That was the fault of Galileo. It was a safe, not dishonest, for the church to slow down in accepting Galileo's teachings, all of it. Some of it was right, but some of it was wrong. That is what you will not learn in public schools. What you will not learn is the church was the safeguard. What you will not learn is the church was trying to protect scripture. And what you will not learn is the church did what she did in many ways properly. Some not so properly. But we have in our faith to know it. We have to know our history. And, you know, now that I'm done, I can tell you that I went and taught this back uh, years ago. Um, only once, I think. I think this is only the second time I've taught. I've briefly mentioned it. But to me, if our church and our Catholics don't understand this fact of our real church teaching we'll never be able to defend it. And we'll never be able to love it. So love your church, know the truth, know its history. And we'll keep doing that for you as our Marian helpers. So if you look on your screen, Brother Mark had put up, become a member of our Marian family. Become a Marian helper. Go to micprayers.org. Please go there. It doesn't take any time hardly and doesn't cost a dime. I don't care if you ever donate a dollar. As you hear me say, yeah, we got to keep the lights on and we got to keep cars and food to be able to survive. But most of all, receive the grace. As a Marian helper, you can get a lot of grace from our rosaries, prayers, our penances, just like you were Marian priest or brother. And you know what else too? If you don't want to subscribe, hit subscribe on our YouTube channel. If you're watching this on YouTube, we're really close to 300,000 views. Uh, I'm sorry, 300,000 subscriptions. And if we hit that, YouTube puts our video out to more people. 
you can actually evangelize. You can evangelize right now by hitting subscribe because it'll help these videos get out to more people. That's all you have to do. So hit subscribe. And finally, the last couple things. Next Saturday, we will not have a live talk here at the Shrine, but we will show one at 11 o'clock. It'll be pre-recorded, but we will show you, uh, except, sorry, um, we will um, be in Buffalo. And we invite you, if you're in the New York area, Lackawanna, New York, to come join us for our Divine Mercy Conference. This will be in Buffalo, New York. So there'll be no live talk here next Saturday, August the 27th, 2022, because we will be in Buffalo. But we invite you to come. Please register. This, the church is giant. Our Lady of Victories, it's a basilica. It sits 1,000. We already have 800 people registered. You got like 200 spots left. Come see us. And you can do that on your screen by visiting thedivinemercy.org slash buffalo are calling us at 800-462-7426. And finally, get a copy of the book on Divine Mercy. Uh, you can get that at shopmercy.org or as well call 800-462-7426. And lastly, if you've lost anybody to tragedy, not just suicide, but any kind of loss, last slide, you can get our book after suicide. There's hope for them or for you. Again, not just about suicide, any kind of suffering or loss. Call us 800-462-7426 and visit us at shopmercy.org. Well, thank you, everybody. God bless you. And we hope to see you in Buffalo on August 27th at our Divine Mercy Conference. Great speakers, Teresa Tamio, Steve Ray, Kelly Walquist, myself. So God bless you, and in many, many graces throughout this day, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content, which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit DivineMercyPlus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's DivineMercyPlus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit MICPrayers.org. That's MICPrayers.org. Thank you. And God bless you.